It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast for 2023, available of course every morning on iHeartRadio, Spotify and Apple, and wherever you get your podcast from. And welcome into another Sunday right around the country as our weekend continues as we chase real estate. And no doubt if you are caught up in that, you'll know exactly exactly how that feels. Well, we had another busy week talking of real estate and coming up in just a moment, it's seven days of real estate, including talking with Warren Hogan, the economic advisor for Halo Technologies, about why the banks crashed in the US and why couldn't the Silicon Valley Bank withstand the pressure. We also catch up with Massey, our first breakfast at your place. Just a reminder to keep those emails coming through if you'd like to invite us to give you a call to find out what is on your mind. And we also talk with Matthew Hughes, founder and managing director of Capital Property Advisory there in Perth about the current state of play for the Perth real estate market. Really interesting chat there with Matthew. And we also spoke, we rounded off the week with Charles Higgins, the CEO of Ray White Surfers Paradise. And we found out about the state of play there with property transactions and the market of how surfers has been going since the start of 2023. So that is all coming up very shortly. Interesting day today. I see in the history books it was on this day back in 1932. The Sydney Harbour Bridge is open. Wow, just imagine if you could go through a time tunnel and come out back in 1932 for that. What a great Sunday that would be. And if you're celebrating your birthday today for the 19th of March, many happy returns. You are sharing your birthday with Yippee Bruce Willis, who is turning 68 today. Every morning from 6am, we bring you the latest real estate news with diverse perspectives from leading industry experts. We deliver the most property podcasts across Australia every week. It's your weekend real estate podcast. It's the main centre forecast. And around the country we go. First off in Sydney, expecting mostly fine sunny skies and a high of 32 degrees. Melbourne, one or two showers with 21. Brisbane, sunshine and plenty of it with 32. And in Perth, sunshine, fine conditions, blue skies and 33 is your forecast top. We're a lot more than just real estate. Available for breakfast from 6am. Then, on the drive to work or in your ear at the gym. In fact, wherever you go, we're available seven days a week. Enjoy your morning coffee. It's your real estate weekend podcast in review. Does that point to how influential rate rises can be for banks or was this particular bank not in the best financial position? Well, I think that's totally correct, is that this bank had a very specific set of circumstances and not related to what would traditionally get a bank in trouble, that is making bad loans. All through history, that's been the major driver of bank crises. 
This particular problem is related to higher interest rates and is essentially that the Silicon Valley Bank was unable to meet the uh, deposit withdrawals that were coming through and then they really started to pick up steam last week and of course the thing was halted uh, on Friday. And that's a particular function of their business. They had invested a lot of money in bonds, that is government bonds in the US, treasuries as well as mortgage-backed securities. These are high-quality assets. There was no credit issue with them. But of course, the rate hiking cycle from the Fed had pushed up the bond yield, which of course pushes down the value of the bond. And so they had a big exposure to those losses. No different from an equity or a property asset going down in value. A bond goes can go down in value. And that's what created their problem. They just had a liquidity squeeze. And that actually is the issue here um, that the federal authorities in the US are now dealing with. And their announced facility they've set up is essentially to not just guarantee deposits, but more importantly, guarantee the ability of banks in the United States, particularly these smaller second tier banks, to be able to meet their deposit requirements. That is that if someone wants their money from the bank, they'll be able to provide that money. I think there is a broader story here around higher interest rates and its impact on the economy and the financial system, but it's not so much about banks. This was a very particular set of circumstances for Silicon Valley Bank. It's a second tier bank in the US. It isn't subjected to the same heavy regulation Regulations that the big banks are there or all Australian banks are. I do think that the problems are going to start to come up in what I call the non-bank financial sector. And that could be anything from private equity to venture capital to any financial organization that has exposure to interest rates, particularly bonds or leverage in that space, like a lot of borrowing against the value of those securities. And I think this, unfortunately, is a a bit of a a signal that there's probably more problems to come. But I don't think that will be in the banking system in the US or anywhere else for that matter. It'll be in the non-banking system. It's your Real Estate Weekend Podcast in Review. Hi there, is this Craig? It is. Craig, this is Marcy. How are you doing? Whereabouts have we called this morning? Uh, I'm located in Caroline Springs in uh, Melbourne. And what's for breakfast? Just black coffee as a good Italian. Are you a born uh, Massey Italian Australian? I'm uh, from a small island uh, in the western part of Italy. It's called Sardinia and I come from there, Italian original. And how long have you been in Australia? About 10 years. And you wrote in to us because you invited us to have breakfast at your place. Uh, So we want to find out a little bit about how you're feeling about the real estate industry in 2023. Very interesting, Craig. I'm really new to real estate. I just started in January this year. Yes, so the real estate industry is quite uh, tough at the moment with these interest rates. Um, uh, Craig, sorry, but I'm emotional, you know, about being your podcast because I listen to you guys every morning. And, you know, it's great in the morning to to, have, to be updated about uh, the rate of this, how this market is going. Very emotional. I've never been in a podcast before. So, you know, like, this is not easy. <laughs> you make it seem easy. You're doing really brilliantly. Talking about the rate, when do you think, when does Massey think that the RBA rate rises are going to stop? We know that we're going to have another two rate rise. But I'm pretty confident that by... The end of the year, we're going to start to see the light. For 2024, we're going to be able to see the market going up again with uh, the rate uh, stabilizing. So before I let you go this morning, what's your favorite part about being involved in the real estate industry? 
the people. I love uh, how many relationships and connection you can have with uh, with the people. I think it's the best part of this job. I speak with buyers a lot, and I'm more connected to buyers. So all the information that you guys give helps me connect into the buyers. I think it's been one of the most powerful tools I got. Uh, the real estate podcast. So yeah, that's why I'm very emotional. No worries. Great to chat and great to have you as a listener on the real estate podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Greg. Thank you. It's your Real Estate Weekend Podcast in Review. With the continued interest rates, how has that affected the Perth property market from your perspective? Look, it's certainly returned to a more typical two-speed market. Post-COVID, we saw pretty much every suburb in Perth going very well. Properties were selling very quickly. There was buyers competing on just about every property. What we're seeing now is some, a more typical market you would expect to see where more premium suburbs, more in-demand suburbs and blue-chip suburbs are performing very well. And then your, your fringe areas that are perhaps a little bit oversupplied or less in-demand or a bit too lower socioeconomic without the gentrification potential that we're looking for, they're performing at the level they should uh, a bit below the median. So it has sort of balanced out our median price growth. As I said earlier, we've given back about a percent over the last six to nine months since the rate rises started. But given how aggressive the uh, RBA has been, uh, I think Perth has stood up very well to it. Yeah, those blue chip properties, uh, those suburbs that you're talking about, they have really taken off. And from a sales and rental perspective, what are your predictions for the future of the, the Perth market? So if you look at the, from a sales perspective, first of all, uh, I guess pre-COVID when the market was, we were just coming out of a a very elongated and soft period in our market over here. And at our peak, we had about 17,000 properties on the market for sale. For reference, about 13,000 is a balanced market in Perth. We're now sitting and have been for some time sitting at just over 7,000. So we're terribly undersupplied currently. And then if you look forward in terms of uh, the dwelling approvals, the appetite for construction in WA hasn't returned. We were um, one of the biggest, had one of the highest uptakes of the state and federal government grants post-COVID when they were available, and that impacted our construction industry. Obviously, this was a national problem, but in Perth and WA, it's it's been an even bigger problem. And so people are reluctant to construct at the moment, and so there's nothing in the pipeline in terms of additional stock to accommodate the population growth that sees us sitting in number two spot nationally behind Brisbane. But what about this? It's been a big talking point over recent months about the high levels of buyer activity from investors on the East Coast. So what do you reckon is fueling all of that? Because it's just sort of marching on at the moment. Just anecdotally, we're seeing large numbers of East Coast inquiry. So the the vast majority of what we're doing for investors at the moment is East Coast inquiry. I think the reason for that is, is probably threefold. You've got affordability. We're still one of the most affordable markets in the country. All the fundamentals look very sound. There's very little little supply at the moment and demand is still exceeding supply. Um, the rental yields are some of the best in the country. I think we sit just behind Darwin in terms of the, um, the rental yields on offer at the moment. So we're buying houses for investors on large parcels of land and picking up between 5 and 6% uh, gross rental yields in some cases. So that's very appealing, especially in the face of interest rate rises where borrowing capacity for investors has been diminished over the last year. We deliver the most property podcasts across Australia every week. It's your Real Estate Weekend Podcast in Review. How short of stock are you? And because of the softening luxury prices, how much of a problem is that in your market? 
Uh, well, I suppose we've actually just brought quite a few of the luxury market properties uh, into our portfolio. We're finding that the buy demand is still strong, but we're not actually seeing too much of a disparity in that high-end market. Yeah, and the, the Gold Coast's median house value, now that sits at around about 980k, down 1.7% over the last 12 months. That's according to CoreLogic data. But of course, we are still are well up on overall gains. They talk about this uh, population pressure on the Gold Coast. Can you tell us a little bit about just how bad that is and how that sort of factors into your market there in surface? There's no doubt that there's more and more people wanting to come to the Gold Coast. We are seeing that the population uh, pressure is increasing the amount of development that is planned and proposed on the Gold Coast. Uh, We've had a few developers who have had uh, proposals that haven't necessarily gone through for whatever reason, because that could have been for the cost of building uh, going up. However, there's been quite a few large projects. Uh, We've got a project division that facilitates, say, upwards of $150 million worth of properties, they've got pretty progressive and aggressive plans to make sure that we capitalise on the population pressure that's a constant influx to the Gold Coast. Yeah, and talking about migration, there is a second wave of southern migration with people moving into the Gold Coast, deciding on that lifestyle change. So when do you expect that that's sort of going to ramp up in terms of uh, this migration move? I think the the migration move is going to significantly increase year on year the closer we get to the Olympics. Over the next five years, it will be gradual. And the following year, five years after that, in the lead up to the Olympics, we are going to see it in, in more of an intense influx of that migration happening because the infrastructure that's going to come along with the Olympics is going to create more jobs, more opportunities in southeast Queensland. And because the Gold Coast is so close to Brisbane these days, it takes less than an hour quite often to get to Brisbane, where we're in a pretty fortunate space to really accommodate that southern migration over the next decade. And I see nothing but capital growth happening for this region, even through the potential squeeze on uh, what's happening out there in the economy. I think we are a little bit protected just going through what we've experienced over the last couple of years. But I do know with those sort of initiatives happening, it's going to be really good news for property owners now and in the future if we've got potential investors coming on. It's going to be a good run all the way through, I believe. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast. 